If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today again is Dr. Peter Huntington from Kentucky Equine Research. How are you, Peter? Excellent. Thank you, Gwyneth. Uh, good having you back, Peter. Yeah, and I'm sure that people are picking up lots of advice on just how to look after their horses better. And I think if we just think about equine welfare, I think sometimes people just don't realise that they don't know. You know, they think they're looking after their horse, but all the information you're giving it certainly gives a lot more depth into the care of horses. So I've got to thank you for that before we even start. Well, there's, there's plenty there, and unfortunately the rise of the internet and Dr Google has meant that even though there's oh, massive yes. information, it's not always credible or correct. No, so I'll no. Put in a plug, I'll put in a plug from a book, Horse Sense, yes. uh, which is a yep. general horse care book, Guide to Horse Care in Australia and New Zealand. So uh, that's a good source of all-round information on looking after horses, not just the feed and all health stuff that we're talking about, but a whole host of other things. So mm, uh, mm. that's uh, stood the test of time. So well, I was just going to say, you know, even before the internet, Horse Sense was one of the best books around on horse care. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. been uh, yep. good. I just hope we never they never want a third edition because it's too much <laughs> a lot of work. work. <laughs> All right. Now, today we're going to talk about feeding horses who are prone to gastric ulcers. Tell us about gastric ulcers, the prevalence of gastric ulcers in horses. Yeah, well, gastric ulcers, we've only become aware of the prevalence of them in recent times because when um, to, to diagnose gastric ulcer, you need a long endoscope. You need to mm-hmm. fast a horse. And the original endoscopes that uh, were developed, which is, you know, a long, thin tube with a light source that you, you put up the horse's nose so you look at the larynx or into the lungs, uh, weren't long enough to go into the stomach. And it wasn't until you know, relatively uh, in the 90s when um, they developed uh, longer endoscopes. So that, those older ones have been used for looking at the respiratory tract for years. Yep. But development of longer endoscopes meant that uh, vets could look into the stomach. And then they found that amongst many populations, the uh, there were massive gastric ulcers, so, you know, 90% in most racehorse populations and uh, even in, uh, you know, sport horse populations quite high, you know, 40, 50, 60% of gastric ulcers. So mm, ulcers mm. occur in two different parts of the stomach, one in the top part of the stomach that's sort of meant to be uh, the squamous portion where it's meant to be above the line in which the fluid-filled stomach contents sit, but also they, they, they come in the bottom part of the stomach have a gastric portion, and those gastric ones are more difficult to treat and manage. Very common, um, are they always associated with, um, and I'm sort of cutting into my second point, why they occur in horses here, but um, are they always associated with problems? Probably, probably not, but they're very common in, in horses. Okay, well tell us a little bit about that gastric anatomy then. Okay, so the horse has a relatively small stomach, and it's it's got a very acid sort of contents which is designed to start the process of digestion. So the acid helps break down uh, food, break down bonds between uh, protein and things like that. So it's a, an important part of digestion. So 
That is, um, of course, damaging to the lining of the stomach, but the lower part of the stomach where the fluid is meant to be has a protective mucus coating. And so that's resistant to acid damage, but the upper squamous part, which is sort of meant to be above the fluid, doesn't have the same coating, so it's quite susceptible to this acid damage. Mm-hmm. And one of the key things that happens is when horses are walking or, or trotting or cantering, as you can imagine, the fluid splashes around. And so instead of just staying in the lower gastric part of the stomach, it splashes up into the upper part, and that acid splash is irritating and, and leads to ulcer formation. And so exercise is one of the key risk factors, and that's related to that um, anatomy and and the inability of the upper part of the stomach to be protected against the acid. Okay, so if exercise is a key risk factor, are there any other particular times that um, we might get a gastric ulcer formation? Well, I think there's. Um, you can get it from uh, prolonged use of uh, phenylbutazone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get it from fasting. So, you know, when the horse isn't eating, uh, not chewing, and they're not producing saliva, and the saliva has bicarbonate in it, which helps buffer the acid, Acid production still continues. So the horse that's not eating um, is fasting is, again, one of the risks. And if you take the horse out of a paddock and you you sort of um, not quite starve the horse, but, but give it a couple of meals a day with not great ability to eat through the rest of the day, then that can bring ulcers on very quickly. So the, the, real, the risk times are horses that are don't have enough to eat, they don't spend enough of their time eating. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's one of the key things. Now, there are risks uh, about the amount of starch or the amount of grain. So the more starch that goes in the diet, the higher the risk of gastric ulcers. Exercise is a key risk. Um, there are surveys uh, done about risk factors like leaving the radio on in racing stables was found to be a, um, was found to be a risk. Maybe they had those... Um, you know, Sydney shock jocks on, and uh, that was terrifying the horses. <laughs> but uh, it um, it was certainly a um, you know there there are lots of risk factors being identified. Stressiness was thought to be one of those. But I think the key thing is the horse that that's not eating. That you know the horse that's standing and wind sucking, for example, yep. or um, or weaving. It's not eating, so it's not chewing. It's not producing saliva. It's not it's not putting food in the stomach that helps sort of buffer the acid. It's got an increased risk as a result of that. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats okay so if we talk about the risk what about the symptoms how you know it's so common how do we know if a horse has got gastric ulcers well the only definitive way is to get the horse scoped and to do that not every vet has these um, specialized scopes you need to fast horse overnight 
to get a scope and then look into the stomach. So that's a bit more complicated than just having a look at the larynx or pharynx or into the trachea. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some horses showed no abnormality, abnormal signs at all, but other horses will show, uh, and this is sort of all, I guess it's association, it's not cause, but it's they'll show uh, perhaps reduced appetite or a sort of picky eater, eats a little bit and pulls away. Um, Behaviour changes, the horse that's cranky, you know, eats. The cranky horse that puts his ears back about things, you know, about the approach of people in the stable, that's associated with gastric ulcers. Certain people tend to associate girthiness, uh, but I really um, struggle with that a bit. Um, And uh, there are some uh, research that shows that it has a sort of physiological, there's a a physiological link to uh, about... um, exercise and physiology so there are potential signs there and therefore that's association with poor performance um, loss of body condition so the horse is just you know you get a group of horses being fed the same and or you get your horse that you're feeding what you think's plenty and the horse just didn't hold in condition well enough and some that you know there may be factors a lot of factors there but gastric ulcers are one of the things that come to mind all right, so say we've got the diagnosis. What's the initial treatment then? Well, the best treatment is to use omeprazole, which is this uh, the drug that um, is also widely used in, in humans for gastric ulcer uh, treatment and prevention. And there are a variety of pace out there that can be given, and they need to be given for a sort of two- to four-week period. And they, in most cases, they'll cause rapid healing of squamous gastric ulcers with the uh, ones in the gastric portion of the gut that are less common but harder to treat, then that maybe need to be combined with another sort of treatment. And there's uh, an oral uh, supplement called sucralfate, which is valuable in the sort of management of those situations. So uh, that's the initial treatment. But then the problem is if you stop that treatment and the risk factors to the ulcer stay the same, e.g. you're working the horse, you're feeding it, a, you know, it's not eating all day, all of these factors, then uh, the ulcers are likely to come back. And mm. so that's where you've got to probably got to do some other things relating to the feeding and management. Okay. So if we've got a horse with gastric ulcers, what should we do then regarding feeding them, management? What tips have you got for us there? There's sort of a few aspects to that. One is to try and keep the horse eating as much as you can and ideally have ad lib, you know, horse having ad lib access to forage. Now, in a drought, that can be difficult because... Um, whilst it's all very well to, uh, to say, well, you know, put them out on, in a paddock and let them eat grass all day. If there isn't grass there, they can't do it. Um, so then you keep hay in front of the horse. Now, still, you can do that and the horse doesn't eat. You know, might walk up and down the fence or sing out to its neighbours or, or whatever, but having feed in front of the horse is a, is, a, is a key factor. And then you can look at the types of forages that you feed and the types of concentrates and perhaps some other supplements and things like that that might be uh, that might be useful. Mm-hmm. So, so the forage. I know that you said you know in the drought it's going to be a bit tricky, but is there any that we should have or should avoid? Well, no, we should have lucerne. Okay. So if we're worried about gastric ulcers, lucerne, or perhaps to a less, lesser, a slightly lesser extent, clover. But mainly lucerne is the thing we want, and the protein and the calcium in the lucerne are great buffers. Um, and so, feeding your horse, you know. Loose and hay is, um, I think, uh, loose and hay or loose and chaff um, uh, found to be preventative, and there's some good research showing that 
just doing that will help ulcers heal or reduce the risk of them occurring. Mm. Now, one of the times I think you can feed loosen is before you work the horse. And remember I mentioned this sort of splash of acid when you're working the horse. If you've got the horse that's sort of just eaten some loosened hay, then that's putting some buffering in the stomach, but it's also putting that physical sort of barrier because the hay is not going to be completely digested and there'll be stalks of hay and it floats on the top of the surface of the stomach and stops the splash of the acid. So we've seen people have have taken, uh, have scoped horses and taken videos on treadmills and shown when they are fed, there's a lot less splash. So either just feeding loosened hay or if you're feeding some hard feed, uh, a little bit of hard feed and a little bit of a little bit of loosened chaff, half an hour to an hour before um, they work is good management. Okay. Okay. So I'm thinking, you know, if we've got the loosened clover, if we've got it, but loosened, what about the concentrate feed options? So, you know, what should concentrate? We... You're trying to avoid high starch feeds, so which is really okay. high grain feeds. And to do that, you've got to get energy sources from other, so your fibre, plenty of fibre, we've already said feed plenty of fibre, mm-hmm. yep. but also fat. And there's certain types of fat are beneficial with gastric ulcers. And normally we talk about the benefits of omega-3 fatty acids, but in this instance, it's omega-6 fatty acids have protective effects. And research has shown that they will have protective effects in terms of reducing acid secretion and protective prostaglandins. And when we if, if we're talking omega-6 fatty acids, we're talking oils like corn oil or sunflower oil or rice bran oil or even rice bran itself, say like Equitrol. Um, they're great sources of, um, so they're, they're calorie sources, means you need less energy from your grains or your starches, and they're also a source of omega-3 fatty acids. Okay, okay. So we've talked about the concentrate. What about any additives? Is there any we should give or any we should avoid? Yeah, I mean... No, there are some some horses that go off the uh, sort of treatment course of their metrazole and go on to a maintenance one, which might be a quarter dose that's given every day. Or there are some things, some people who go, okay, I'm going to look at when it's a risky time, such as I go away to a competition so mm-hmm. or an event. So, you know, my feed changes, my management changes. I've got time when the horse is travelling and competing, and that's when I'll sort of treat the horse or put it on the preventative dose. There are some other supplements around with antacids that you can get. Um, so we've actually uh, added to Equidule a, uh, a substance, a buffered mineral complex, which has an antacid effect. Uh, so that's reducing, that's helping mop up the acid. And uh, there are some other supplements such as, um, uh, that's also in some feeds like, say, Baristock Complete Performer. And... Um, some other antacids in uh, and stomach coating agents and things like Nalox, which is a supplement of ours, or there's some other other supplements out there that that can do a decent job in terms of providing a coating effect, okay. a coating effect for anti antacid. Now they won't cure the ulcers, but they'll uh, perhaps prevent them recurring or prevent the horse prevent the symptoms occurring. Mm-hmm. They make the horse feel better, feel better. They eat better. They're in better condition and they're happier. And I think the sort of the unhappy horse is, is certainly one of the. When you've got an unhappy horse, I, I, you know, I'd much rather look at causes of that rather than just reach for some sort of calming supplement or or, or calming injection. So look at the potential causes. Okay, okay. And ideally, we've got horses that don't have gastric ulcers. So what can we do? What what sort of management, feeding, just to maintain a healthy stomach? You know, so we don't have to worry even 
you know, we can omit the first bit and, and just say, well, let's just do this? Well, I think it's remembering things about meal size. Uh, so remembering, you know, enough forage for the horse to eat, uh, the meal size in terms of concentrates, not too big a meals, uh, trying to sort of minimise the starch that's in the diet and if you use alternative sources such as fat or by slowing the, um, slowing the concentrate intake down by using chaff or uh, things like Fibre Pro and, and sort of uh, fibre sources or, or, um, or Speedy Beat or this other thing which is mixed in with the grain that then helps um, slow down the grain intake and so we're not having quite the same insult. We want the horse that, that eats quickly to maybe eat slower you know, putting obstructions in the feed bin can be useful, so it takes a bit of time. Um, if it gets through its hay really quickly, then look at a small hole hay net, or perhaps mm-hmm. two of them, so it slows down. So it sort of spins the feed out, and they'll, they'll be eating smaller amounts over over a longer period of day, rather than guzzling the whole thing down in, in five minutes, like a you know a teenage boy eating sure. their dinner. <laughs> Yep, yep. All right. Very good, Peter. And as usual, I should say, very good. Lots of information. Now, where if people would like more, they can go to horsechats.com, search for Peter Huntington, and there's lots of information there. But Peter, if people would like more, how can they find out through Kentucky Equine Research? Uh, well, we've got an advice line. Uh, so if they want something done for their specific horse, we've got mm-hmm. an advice line, which is advice at kr.com or 1-800-772-198. Or if they look on uh, Equinews, so go to our website and then go to the library section and you can do a search on uh, the Equinews website and there'll be heaps of articles about gastric ulcers there, about management of them, about prevention, uh, about risk factors. And uh, you can also sign up for the fortnightly electronic newsletter. Perfect. All right, Peter, thank you very much and look forward to chatting to you again next month. That'll be good. Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.